We know what it is to have a faith, but do we truly live by faith? You know, I'm talking about a challenge of faith, aren't I? And that's where we're going to go today. Take the notebooks and pass them down if you would, please. Uh, Take out your note cards. We're talking about the armor of God, and today we're talking about my favorite component of the pieces of the armor, the shield of faith, and I'll explain why I love it so much. We know what it is to have a faith. Most likely, you're in this room because you have a faith in God. But the question that we all have to ask is, do we actually live by faith? You do realize Jesus sacrificially gave himself for specific priorities and objectives in our world that you and I should be sacrificially giving ourselves to see those objectives further and express the kingdom in the earth. We know what it is to have a faith, but do we live by faith? Do we put ourselves out in a place where we're having to depend on God, trust in God, to really take us everywhere He's called us to go? Do do you know there are some of you under the sound of my voice, and I'm speaking this um, not just in, in hope, but I sense something of the Lord. There's some of you under the sound of my voice that actually have a role in what is going to be going on across the street, and it awakens in your heart every time. I know Crystal, every time I say something, uh, something just uh, is awakened within her, and she's ready to be a part of this home for unwed mothers. I'm declaring that today as I spoke the word dream center. Some of you, something started coming alive in you. There are resources in you that God wants to use, not just in the natural. I'm talking supernatural gifts that help people put the pieces back together of their very broken lives, and they become unbroken people as a testimony of the grace of God in the world in you and I live. This is what God's called us to do, but we don't get to that place by playing it safe. We don't get to that place by living a life that just keeps all of my pieces together. And, and, you know, Jesus didn't die so you could live the best life you could possibly live. Jesus died so you could be a part of his plan to rescue all humanity. And that means we're helping other people's lives really flourish. Our word for this year is flourish. And the truth is God wants your life to be awesome. I want you to know that. The truth is God wants your life to be awesome. But that truth always comes with a trick. And the trick is God doesn't want you to to pursue an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others, and that's what will make your life so totally awesome. Give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He who refreshes others, come on, help me clap it in and declare it. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's something God wants to awaken within our hearts. This is lifestyle. This is just the way we live. What do you hear the Spirit saying today? What is the Spirit saying today? I'll ask you at the end of the message, what is God speaking to you? And I want to always remind you as we get started in, in, in looking at Scripture together, this is not about showing up and listening to a speaker. This is about encountering a Savior in a day where the church is filled with motivational speakers who know how to rally crowds together and get them revved up motivationally. We've lost sight of impartation and the supernatural power of God, and I say let's recover it all. Let there be impartation of something substantial in the heart of God's people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, 
Last week, Shannon Covell caught me after church, and she said, God began to give me a vision, and he showed me that you were, I don't remember how all of it went, but basically, uh, there were demonic forces attacking your children, and God had anointed me to lead us in a charge in a way that would smash the enemy and destroy the enemy over our sons and daughters' lives. I'm anointed for that today. I am anointed for that today. We are anointed for that today. There are children yet to be born that will never have to fight giants that we've chosen to destroy in the hour in which we now live. There are giants that will try to come against our children in the next generation that will not have any effect on them because we have chosen to remain faithful before the Lord our God. We are, yes, we are clothed in Christ. We are clothed in Christ. We are clothed. We want to put on the full armor of God today. We're clothed in Christ. We want to take up the full, we're in a fight. We're in a battle. Why are you so intense all the time? I'm asked that often. Why are you so intense all the time? Because we're at war. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. I like being intense, especially when I'm in a fight. I believe that God has called us to a victorious posture before Him and declare the enemy has no chance of survival where the people of God are awakened to the purposes of God. That's why we're focusing in the summer on what we're calling summer intensive. I want to just encourage you. Maybe you didn't jump in when we started on this. It doesn't matter. I want you to know we had more than 70 people in this room at 6 o'clock in the morning this past Tuesday. We're not only in a fight. We're rousing warriors to come on and step in and engage in the battle. If you're able to join us this Tuesday, come. We actually have a pastor, a friend, Tracy and I are hosting him and his wife in our home just for a week of personal ministry to them. He leads a church in Louisiana, and he's going to be here for that morning prayer time. And um, I, I haven't told him yet, but I'm going to invite him to help that morning. That we'll just call that rent. If he wants to stay at the house, he'll have to help in ministry. But that'll be that 6 o'clock prayer time. We're going to really engage. And then 8 o'clock, we'll do that 30-minute uh, class session for those of you that are able to make that. If you can prioritize that, go to work just a little late. We'll do that at eight o'clock in the upstairs of the room. Why are we doing all this? Because we're in a fight. We want to rouse the warriors, equip them for battle, empower them in the Word of God, anointed by the Spirit of God, and we're going to see that today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then Paul goes straight to the belt. The first thing he mentions is the belt. You and I would look at a Roman soldier and not notice the belt. But God purposed that the belt would be the first item of conversation. And the belt is referenced as the belt of truth. And it's interesting that God goes straight to the center of the warrior, the hidden secret place nobody really even knows, but because I am securely established with truth around my center, my core, I am able to be a mighty warrior in Christ. And the next element that we saw was the breastplate of righteousness. And we saw how that righteousness glistens and shines in the reflection of the sun. And it's His righteousness reflecting in our lives that blinds the enemy. It becomes more attractive to God and more blinding to Satan. And you and I are victorious as we walk this thing out. But we must know who we are in Christ. And I had someone ask me, I had some people ask me this morning already, we good? If you were here last week, you know, are we good? Because if we're good, then I'm strong. I'm okay. I know when Tracy and I are good, I'm good. 
How many of you know when you and your spouse are not good, life kind of stops? Take that to a whole nother realm. Not just are we good, but we good? Because the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence, and the fear of the Lord raises up mighty warriors. Are we good? We're good. Because of Him, we're good. Because of Christ, we're good. It's the basis of everything we need to understand is then we look and explore the shield of faith. Ephesians 6, verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is all not just like storybook ideology, but these are analogies, specific analogies that God is using Paul to write that we throughout the ages will be able to go back and revisit what actually is being spoken. The shield of faith specifically spoke of one of two shields that the Roman soldiers carried. One of their shields was a, a shield of presentation, a shield for parades, a shield when the king would call the soldiers out. They would carry this worthless, pretty shield that was kind of circular in nature, and they would parade around with their shield, and they would look pretty, and they would look nice, and they would dress up for the king, but they were not battling anybody, like many churches today. That's not the shield that Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about the battle shield. I want to wake up warriors. I am called by God to make disciples. We have an assignment from God to awaken warriors, to understand the battle that God has called us to fight and to help others to walk in that in Jesus' mighty name. This was not a parade presentation shield. This was a battle shield. This was a massive shield, not a little circular thing. This is massive, like the size of a door. The entire soldier could get behind this shield and be completely protected from these fiery darts in a very specific way. This, this shield actually was very heavy. It rested on a clip on the belt. Isn't it interesting that we see that faith is connected to truth? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And the soldier takes the shield and would clip it on his belt when he's not in a state of warfare. And your faith rests on the truth of the word in the mundane times of life. You just stay in and turn the page. You just keep reading the scripture. I'm not sure. I don't even really understand what I'm reading sometimes, but it's building me up in the most holy faith as I just stay the course with the truth of God's word. And my faith gets stronger and I get more prepared for war. This is about lifestyle devotions. This is about lifestyle evangelism. This is about lifestyle discipleship. This is about lifestyle community. This is about connection as the body of Christ. And interestingly enough, this shield of faith, not only did it have the capacity to clip to the belt, but the shield of faith, this battle shield, actually had the ability to clip to other shields that the other soldiers would carry. Literally, they would fasten their shields together like a huge wall and would attack across the plains enemies that were trying to come. And it is hard to whip all those soldiers completely connected together. If they get isolated and individual and alone, they can get surrounded by the enemy. But if they stay connected, then they are far more powerful than if they walk alone. You are the body of Christ. We are called to be connected. (laughs) 
The enemy will try and talk you out of your connection. The enemy will try and tell you, this situation happened, that situation, I'm going to disconnect from them. No, you ought to treat people around you like they're part of your destiny because they're part of your destiny. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Your devotions are an important part of that, but listen. Your congregational gathering as a family with your shields connected under the sound of the voice of God and the Word of God as we worship is a very important part of strengthening your faith. I want to challenge you today to understand we must not be casual about what Jesus was so sacrificial about. Jesus died to establish us as the body of Christ where we would gather together and gain strength and momentum as a result of our worship and as a result of gathering under the anointing of his word congregationally as a family. Jesus died for that. May we not treat that conveniently. Well, when it works out with my schedule, what I'm telling you is you should go to church. That's what I'm trying to say. Not not when it's convenient. If it works out, you should be at it really should be an important part of your life. Jesus didn't die so you could make it when it was convenient. Jesus died so you'd be the family of God, awakened to the purposes of God every day that you live. This is an important part. This atmosphere grows giant killers. This atmosphere raises up sons and daughters who will prophesy. This atmosphere... Come on, write it in on your first blank. When we gather together in worship, gifts are activated. Faith begins to rise. Hope is inspired. Dreams are awakened. And the enemy is more readily defeated in all of our lives. There is a purpose for our gathering. That's why the Scripture says, forsake not the assembling. Make it a priority to come together as the body of Christ. And don't disconnect your shield just because somebody says or does something. Stay connected. Stay true to what it is to be a family. We have to stay connected to to all that God has called us to do. I actually was having a conversation with one of our community group uh, leaders recently, and they were saying, it can be pretty discouraging trying to lead. And they, they said, you know, not, not just getting everybody on board with where we're going as a group, but just getting people to respond and answer a question that we're asking. Sometimes it's discouraging just trying to get people just to communicate and, and get connected and, and, and make it happen. And Can I just say, guys, community group ministry is a powerful ministry for our church family. This is the pastoral force of destiny. And I want to say thank you to our community group leaders for staying in there, hanging in there, doing all God. Come on, help me. Thank them better than that. They devote themselves to get their house ready, get rooms ready, all the things that God has called our leaders to do. And then after getting it all ready, then it's engaging in the battle with you on a level that there's just no way that happens unless you get connected relationally with your church family. And I'm so thankful as we connect our shields together in worship, we then connect our shields together more intimately as we start to get together in those relationships. This is really important that you understand about the shield of faith, the battle shield, not the presentation shield, the battle shield. It was actually made out of multiple layers of thick animal hide 
tightly woven together. Usually six layers, very thick, very tightly compacted, nearly as strong as steel, described by one expert who researched this. I mean, this was an amazing, amazingly strong shield. It was extremely tough and exceptionally durable. And this is what God is likening your faith to be. Are you getting this? This is what God is likening your faith to be, extremely tough and exceptionally durable. All these layers together would become, as any leather would, uh, untreated like this, and it would become stiff over time. And I have a lot of this explained. I'm not going to have time to go into all of it, but it's all on the blog. Please download our app, destinychristian.com forward slash app. And you can go right to the blog there and pick up a lot of reading on this and an explanation. It'll really help you to see a little more than where I'm going to go. But recognize this shield, if not treated correctly by the soldier, this is very important for us, if just left untouched and left untreated and left, you know, neglected, then it would become stiff and brittle and even breakable over time. And I just want you to understand, again, the parallel with all of this is if our faith is not taken care of, then it's sure to fall apart, especially in times of war. And the way the soldier would take care of the shield of faith, there were two very important things that the soldier did. Every morning when the soldier would wake up, would take his shield and he would take a vial of oil and begin to pour oil on the leather and begin to beat the oil into the leather, pound it into the leather. Your faith needs frequent anointing of the Holy Spirit in order for it to remain pliable in the hands of God Almighty. That soldier would beat that oil into that leather, and that would help it continue to stay treated and strong. And then before the soldier would go out for war, he did something very significant. He would take, all of those soldiers would take their shield, and if it had been treated correctly with the oil, then it would saturate and soak water very easily because it hadn't grown brittle and hard. It was still pliable, and they would put that shield in a big tub of water, and it would soak up the water. That's really important because when a soldier was going out to battle for the shield to have been treated with oil, frequent anointing of the Holy Spirit, soaked in water, the water is symbolic of the Word. The Bible says, husbands, wash your wives in the water of the Word. You and I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word awaking us to a place of faith that will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Oh, the fiery darts of the enemy. Let's talk about those fiery darts of the enemy so that we'll understand. Fiery darts that the Bible describes here. It's not just some idea of darts that go through the sky. This was a part of, of intimidation, warfare, intimidation, and dread. They would, they would literally tip these arrows with flammable materials and set them on fire as this tactic of intimidation. When going across the terrain, they would shoot fiery arrows on fire to go at the soldiers. <clears throat> and, and it was horrible dread. Imagine getting shot with an arrow. One would be awful, but for that arrow to actually be burning in your body was a crazy uh, thing to dread. And it was warfare intimidation. And, and if you'll think about this fiery dart coming against a faith that's properly treated under the anointings of the Holy Spirit and soaked in the water of the Word. You ever put a match in water? 
The enemy hits you with his best shots. All of a sudden, this fiery dart of, of anger and revenge starts trying to rise up within you and All of a sudden, lust, the enemy tries to hit you with lust. I'm breaking a spirit of lust today in Jesus' name. In a day filled with pornography and so readily available on social media, I'm breaking a spirit of lust in Jesus' name. We break that bondage. We must become transparent people, rising up in a place of faith. And this fiery arrow of lust comes, and it's coming your way. And because your faith has been properly cared for, revenge and unforgiveness. Somebody did something, and that's a fiery dart coming at you. And I can't seem to let this go. No, if you position your faith right, the enemy's trying to hit us with his best. I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me that today the fiery dart of discouragement and despair are being completely thwarted in Jesus' mighty name. I just want to say shake off discouragement. Shake off despair. Rise up in the joy of the Lord that is your strength. You are full of God, full of His strength, full of His anointing. You don't just have enough anointing to destroy your bondage. You've got enough anointing to destroy the whole world's bondage because Christ is in you. That's how much anointing you have. You've got enough for you. Come on, you've got enough for you and everybody else. Jesus is alive. Jesus is awakening within us everything we need, not only to live our lives in a state of victory, but to lead others in a place where they will experience victory as well. Victory belongs to us. Victory belongs to us. But you've got to cultivate and develop the anointing, frequent anointing of the Holy Spirit, the water of His Word. That's why God's presence to real life. We're going to bring God's presence to real life, the action point. We're not here just to celebrate a nice sermon. We're here to put something into motion. We're here to set something in action. And I want to ask you to make sure you're purposing to be in the Word every day. It is my personal and deep conviction and devotion to try to lead as many people as I possibly can in this incredible, simple idea of turning the page. Because you just have no idea how powerful it is for you to stay true to a lifestyle of staying in the Word, even when you're reading things in Leviticus or Numbers or wherever that you, that you don't understand. You just keep staying the course because His Word is awakening something within you. And it's making you more of a fighter than you realize. And you, you, there's a fight in you, and you need to strengthen that fight. We will not lay down, roll over, play dead. We will rise up and be strengthened in the fight that God has called us to. Now, I said something last week, and I want us to kind of camp on this as my challenge to you today. I made the statement that you are not chosen because you are gifted. You are chosen because you are loved. You really need to think about this. Because we live in a society where we get rewards for good grades, rewards for good driving, 
We live in a very reward-based society. And we translate that very naturally into our relationship with God. And nothing could be further from the truth. I am glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad you give. I'm glad you help make this place what God has called this place to become. But I want you to hear me loud and clear. You're not getting any rewards in terms of good behavior rewards from God for coming to church. He doesn't love you anymore if you come to church, and he doesn't love you any less if you don't. See, the problem is in the church world, many times we're manipulating people into coming to church by keeping them in there, and you know, you really want to keep favor with God. You have all the favor with God you're ever going to possibly have. Nothing you will do will ever increase or decrease your favor with God, because your favor with God is nothing you have earned or done yourself. It's only found in Christ. And when you understand that, this will rock your world in terms of the shield of faith. And I'll point it out this way, 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, when we are faithless, anybody here ever feel faithless? Anybody here ever feel weak? When we are faithless, he remains faithful. I want to talk to you about the shield of faith. But I want to talk to you from a perspective you probably didn't expect me to come today. The Bible says in that text of Scripture, he cannot deny himself. So when we are faithless, he remains faithful. What, what that's saying is, God looked upon humanity who couldn't ever do it according to the Old Testament law. Therefore, God himself had to become humanity, come down and fulfill the law with utter perfection, total perfection, and then he made a covenant with himself to reciprocate deity and humanity and allowed us to be a part of what Jesus did on our behalf that you and I could never do. This is powerful. Because now that we're included in this vicious cycle of blessing, now that we're included, we start to understand it's because of his devotion to the sinless Christ who's our Messiah and when we are faithless, he still remains faithful. See, this is why you need to understand this, this phrase I want to use here. I've never, never said this before, and I've kind of been practicing it in prayer. This is my first chance. I'm going to see how it goes over. But he is the great I am. God is the great I am. Everybody say, I am. I am. God is the great I am. And when you are feeling faithless, you must choose not to identify with the fall of humanity, but rather the resurrection of Christ and the great I am, I am faithful. When I'm feeling faithless, no, I am faithful. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, oh, but I'm weak, I'm feeling weak. Don't identify with the fall of humanity. Identify with the resurrection of Christ. I am strong. I am strong. I am. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody. Let's declare it. We are strong because of the great I am. Just stay to your feet. Stay with me. When you are tempted, 
I am able to overcome every temptation. No temptation has taken me except that which is common to man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And with every temptation, I am able to escape. I am changes everything. The next time the devil whispers in your ear, I don't know if you can make it through this storm. Pause for effect and whisper back in his ear, I am the storm. I am the storm. Come on. I am the storm. God awakens something within me. I am the storm. Hey! It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. This doesn't happen because God is good. God is good, but this doesn't happen because God is good. This happens because Jesus is Lord. If you're here this morning and you say, I am not walking with God. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want you to be bold and just lift your hands. Surrender to him right now in this moment. Anybody at all in this room, I just want to surrender my life to Christ. He's the great I am. He changes everything. He changes everything. Come on, let's posture ourselves, everyone in the room, just in a place of surrender. We recognize Jesus is Lord. You've prayed that before. You've made Jesus Lord of your life. And today, now, we acknowledge, Lord, you are the great I am. It's because of your strength, Lord, that we are strong. It's because of your faith that we are faithful. It's because of your goodness, Lord, that we can be good. It's because of your righteousness, Lord, that we can be right with God. Thank you, Lord. I just break discouragement and defeat in this room now in Jesus' name. I break that now. I break weakness in the name of Jesus. Every time a temptation comes, you just bow under that pressure, bend under that circumstance. I just say rise up and experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of His Word as you begin to walk out the will, plan, and purpose of God in your life. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.